Hey, this is Jason Robinson, the pastor of Church of the King, and I'm so pumped up that you're hanging out with us with our podcast today. I pray that God really speaks to you and that you're encouraged and inspired to live your life with everything you have for Him. Hey, I want to encourage you to check us out over at cotk.org. You can go there and learn all kinds of things about us and when our service times are. And speaking of our service times, I would love to invite you so that I could actually meet you personally on one of our weekend services. I promise you, your kids will love it. You'll have a great time and you'll have a blast. I pray today that God speaks to you through this word. God bless you. To the last week in our Crazy Family series. I'm really excited about all that's coming up. Uh, if I haven't had a chance to meet you yet, my name's Jason Robinson. My wife and I, we have the privilege of being the pastors here, and I always try to run around to the front so I can meet you. And if, if it is your first time, man, make sure to come say hello to me. I'd love, love to just say hi and uh, chit-chat for a second, get to know you for a moment. But uh, excited about all that God's doing in our church. Excited about the next few weeks. Next week is Mother's Day. Men, you're welcome. Okay, you're welcome. And for all the dads out there, I know what you're thinking. You think, well, it's Mother's Day, so my kids have to give my wife something. You're going to have to help with that, okay? And then, by the way, if you don't give something, then you'll hear, why would you not give me something to the mother of your children? So you're welcome, all right? I just tried to help you, all right, with all that. Uh, so that's next week. Super fired up about that. Uh, not sure where we're going to put everybody because uh, we keep on growing and growing, and it's, it's just awesome, all the things God's doing. Uh, we actually are making plans to have to adjust to three services coming in August after the summertime, uh, just because it's all the different people that are coming, uh, what God's doing. After that, I'm starting to get a little buzz hearing some from different people really excited about the series following Mother's Day next week, which is a spirit on the Holy Spirit. You hear a lot about God the Father, and you hear a lot about God the Son, but you don't always hear so much about God the Holy Spirit. So we're going to go in Scripture, and we're going to talk about who is the Holy Spirit? How does it work? How does this whole thing work? What's, what's going on? What does the Bible say about it? And so I think you're going to find it fascinating, intriguing, and hopefully empowering when it's all said and done. And so, man, I, I got to just echo what, what Josh said. What an what a awesome time of worship, huh? Wasn't that just incredible, a time of worship? Just, T, thank you for your leadership, man, with all of that. We just, we just love you so much. Come on, yeah, let's give it up for these guys. <laughs> Excited about that. You know, in our church, there's really three things we, we just go all double down and go really in for. We, we do a lot of things as a church, but, but worship is one of them. We, we make a big deal about worship because worship is that nothing shifts the atmosphere in your life like worship. That's why it's so important. The other thing that's really important to us is, is spiritual family, man. We, we don't, our worst day as a church is when we're a gathering. But our best day as a church is when we're a spiritual family. Look, we don't have it all right. We don't have it all figured out, but we want to be here for you and we want to be here for one, one another. And so we're excited with small groups. That's how we get connected, all that. But then the other one is, is really what I want to talk to you about today. The third thing is we really make a massive emphasis on the next generation. We really do. It's not just something we talk about. It's not the right thing to say from the stage. It is really our heartbeat. You know, I like to say this. I was a student pastor for 20 years before I came here. And I always say there's a little youth pastor who lives in this heart. And brother is not going anywhere, all right? because we just love our students. And, and I think it's, it's critically important you know that. And I think there's something else that I want you to celebrate about your church, about all of you, is this, that do you know this? You may not know this, but I'm gonna give you a little peek behind the curtain that the average church in America has somewhere between 15 and 18% of their overall attendance on a Sunday is their kids, their kids' ministry. 
Do you know in our King's Kids ministry, we'll have anywhere between 30 and 35% of our overall, we have kids back there. Why? Because y'all like having children around here. I think there's like a Katie quota. Like if you don't have four kids, you're not allowed in here. Nope, go to Sugarland. go to Sugarland. You know, I, I mean, I think that's just what they do. I don't really know. And so there's a whole lot of them, you know, and, and it's exciting. We love it. We, we absolutely love it. And, and this is awesome as well. Our student ministry on Wednesday nights, which I'm super excited about. I'm actually speaking this Sunday. I mean, this Sunday, this Wednesday at, at, at the youth service because I make them let me speak because I love them and I want to hang out with them still. And so, do you know the average church in America, seven to 8% of their weekend attendance is their youth service. Do you know uh, we have somewhere between 30 and 32% uh, on, on a Wednesday. Uh, and we had this past Wednesday, we had 217 students come with 26 adults, almost 250 people coming. But let me just say this, it's not about them just coming. They're learning about Jesus. They're worshiping God. And I thought I would do a little something today, just not, not to tell you, but to show you. And so I, I, I got a couple weeks ago, I think it was last week actually, I got a video of our kids, our King's Kids worship. And it so just touched me. I wanted to share with you what's going on back there while we're in here. So you guys play that real quick. Come on, give me the music now. They gotta hear them. Come on, isn't that good? Isn't that good? They have a heart for Jesus. We may or may not be ready for a kid's choir about hearing some of the tone and some of the voices, but that's okay. The Bible says make a joyful noise, not a perfect noise, amen? So anyway, with that, and so it's awesome. They just did it on their iPhone, so it doesn't look the best quality up here, but that's not the point. The point is the heart of the whole thing. And then this past, uh, this, this Wednesday, I think it was actually two Wednesdays ago, our students in a packed house with students just worshiping Jesus with all their heart. And we got a little clip of that. I wanted to show it to you as well. You guys, y'all watch this. Isn't that good? Come on, let's just give it up for what God's doing. Yeah, I just wanted to show you a little bit. Matter of fact, I don't think I told you this, Mia, but, uh, but Mr. Vim knew another pastor friend that heard they were talking about this and he showed him the clip of the video and that gentleman knows the guy who wrote the song. So he gave him the video, sent it to the guy who wrote the song. And so the guy who wrote the song was blessed in his heart watching our youth group worship to the song that he wrote. How cool was that, huh? Isn't that neat? It's so neat. So, it all goes into what we want to talk about today. So the first week of our My Crazy Family, we talked about starting a new legacy. It doesn't matter where you came from. With the power of Christ, you can start a new legacy today. Then last week, we talked about my crazy marriage. And I was really practical and went through just some of the key principles and best practices learned for a great marriage. And so today is going to be super practical. And matter of fact, if you want to write something down, if you have never taken notes, you may want to take it on this one. 
After the last service, we, we were just talking back and forth and identifying the different stages that each person was in as they were walking through our church with their kids. And so I'm gonna be super duper practical, almost feel a little workshop-ish some, but I wanna help you. I wanna help you and equip you on how to help raise, not kids, but raise adults. Because my goal isn't to raise a kid, my goal is to raise, to raise young adults. And so we're gonna talk about my crazy kids. My crazy kids today. And some of you are like, that's appropriate, Pastor. Come on, crazy. And so I, I do have to say this, if I may. I'm gonna take a I'm gonna take a little bit of a, a moment and just kind of take my heart and throw it out to you guys for a second. Is um I'm kind of in a vulnerable spot. I don't like that word very much, but like I, I'm I'm a little vulnerable this morning, and I, I'll tell you why. A couple years ago, I spoke this message. I actually and speaking the same message that I've done once before, obviously with the little updated deals, but um, uh, I did it the week I dropped off my daughter to college. That was awful planning by my part because I'm driving home from college and I'm crying the whole time. I'm like, oh, Mia. She's here now, praise God. Got her back. <laughs> I was like, oh. and, then, and then I show up to church and it's like, I'm talking about kids. I'm like, kids, I love them. I mean, it's a mess, you know? Well, here I am again, and just a few weeks from now, my son's graduating high school. I'm like, I've got to quit doing this, man. So next time I'm preaching on kids is 20 years from now, all right? So, no, I'm just joking with that, but he'll be, he'll be graduating and has a great opportunity and path in front of him. And, and you know, it makes you think a lot. As, as parents, maybe you're here and you've, you've raised your kids and they, they moved on, and you might even be a grandparent in here. And, or maybe your kids are really young and you're like, man, in 475 years from now, they're getting out my house because it just feels like that, you know? Then there's others. You're right in that zone that I'm in and you know how I feel and boy, you start really reflecting a lot. So if I could just have a heart moment for me, there's certain things that you're kind of like, man, I, I hope I did it right. And you're like, I wish I'd have done more of this. And then you think, I wish I wouldn't have done so much of that. And you really kind of go back and forth through all of it and, and really in, in your heart moment. And I just have been chewing on this thing for the last week or two that, you know, at the end of it all, we're not owners of anything, but we steward everything God gives. The Bible says the earth is the Lord's in the fullness thereof. That means everything that's in it is God's, not even yours. So every talent he gives you, every gift he gives you, all the time he gives you, all the finances and money he gives you, it's not yours. And the moment that we hold it tight like that, it's when God can't put any more in our hands because we've got it so tight. But stewardship isn't holding life like this. Stewardship is holding life like this. And it's holding everything that God gives me, he puts it in my hands like this. And my ultimate goal is not just to hold on to it, but to give it back to God. And say, God, you gave me this talent and this gift. I'm gonna give it back to you and I'm gonna serve on the dream team. God, you gave me this time. I'm going to take it and try to maximize it and do my best with it. God, you gave me this money, and then you just asked for a tithe, 10%. Man, if it wasn't for you, I'd have nothing. So I have no problem giving that back to you. But do you know, out of all the things that I don't, that I'm like, God, I give it to you. This is easy because I'm just a steward. I'm a steward. I'm a steward. Probably one of the hardest things has been my kids. One of the hardest things to let go is, is my kids. Now, don't, don't misunderstand me. There have been times I'm like, Jesus, take them. Just take them, Lord. <laughs> Just take them. 
But then there's other times it's just like, man, I, I want to make sure everything's okay. I want to make sure everything's perfect. I want to make sure they don't go through what I've gone through. I want to make sure all these different things, it can just be difficult at times. And so today, as I begin to share with you and try to equip you with things that I've been equipped with over the years, it's been so helpful to me. I just want to help you. But if you have your Bible, open up to Deuteronomy chapter 6. That's the basis of what we're going we're gonna to jump off of. But I want to talk to you today about your crazy kids. The Bible says this in Proverbs 22, 6. It says, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. Now, this is critical. In that scripture where it says, in the way, what that actually means in Hebrew is it's in the bent that, they, that they're made. It lean into the way that they are made. So raise up a child in their certain bent, in their certain way that God created them, and then they will not depart from them as they get old. Now, here's the critical thing that's important. When it comes to your values and when it comes to your principles, you raise all the kids the same. But when it comes to personality and gifting, you raise them slightly different. You raise them in the bent that they are gifted in. Some of my kids are super gifted in one area and not in others. So we blow in the sails and, the, and blow wind in the sails of where they're gifted. And then we, we try to coach them in these other areas in their life. And so, and so that's what scripture is talking about when we do that. And what I want to do today is I want to help you identify a few things in the stage that you may be, be in. So this is super important. My, my sister and I have an older sister. She's a couple years older than me. And and, and Vicky, and, and her birthday was last week. And shout out, sis. Happy birthday to you if you're watching online. And, and now my sis, she like did everything right. You know, she didn't like, like me, like rules were like negotiable in my world. <laughs> right? You know, rules were just obstacles in the way of me getting to the thing I wanted. You know, my sister was a rule follower all the way. And so anytime my dad would get upset with my sister, he would just go, Vicky. And my sister would just, <laughs> I'm so sorry. And he'd be like, that's right, go in your room. But when he would get to me, I don't know why he had to be much more aggressive. He tells me it's because I daydreamed and didn't listen. I don't know, I wasn't paying attention. Anyway, moving forward. <laughs> but he'd be like, Jason, and like, oh, grab my attention. Because it was just different in the way that he had to take care of things. I think about some of my kids, and it's the same way. With some of them, I have to just say, hey, don't you ever. <laughs> they fall apart. And others, I have to be, hey, listen, don't you ever. Don't you, hey, quit looking over there. Don't you ever. And, you know, you hit that moment as parents that you're like, you're just like me. Gosh. Then there are other times I'm like, you're just like your mama. And I'm sure she does the same and all of that. But, we, but God has given us this tremendous, massive responsibility. As many kids, as much of the next generation as we have, maybe God trusts us with them. That's a big responsibility that we have as a church and as a family. And so how, what do we do? How, how do we, we walk through all of this? Deuteronomy chapter 6 shares an interesting, let me give you a little background. The children of Israel, they were delivered from Egypt. And then for 40 years, they wandered in the desert. And now they're getting ready. They're going to enter a new land. Now they're going to enter a new land, new culture, 
gods that were not the gods they worshiping, a new morality of how things are done, and now here they are about to go into this whole new world, and what has to happen is the people have to make sure they're ready and equipped so that they can handle this new pagan world that they're going into. It's very familiar to the world we're in. Like, I remember when I grew up. When I grew up, the only time you saw the news or heard about the news was when dad was fussing reading the paper in the morning or at five o'clock evening news. Now, not only is it news networks, but social media helps control the narrative of what's going on out there. It could be a complete lie. It could be some guy that's 14 years old in his mama's basement in Montgomery say something that got to somebody, that got to somebody, that got to somebody, and next thing, this person has an opinion about what's going on in our culture, in our world. That's what our kids are going into. Our kids are going in and they're taking a stand for things that they shouldn't be taking a stand for. They're ignoring things that they shouldn't be ignoring because the narrative is all over the place because of the world that we're in that someone's opinion that should have no right or no authority to have an opinion has an opinion. And if you don't listen to it, you're canceled. That's the world our, our kids are walking in. That's how you got to be engaged in their life. Well, Dad, I just think such... When you hear your kids say something, you're like, whoa, hold on, hold on, hold on. Don't just let it go by. Stop. Hey, where'd you get that from? Well, so-and-so, da-da-da-da, and they're doing da 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 Hold on. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about that. Let's see. What does God say? What does the Word say? What does Jesus say to us about everything? Because there's some good things that are being out there, but then there's some not-so-good things out there. And we have to help discern they're going into this new world. Now, let me ramp it up another level. And I'm passionate about this. I'm fired up about this because we got to pay attention to this, y'all. See, back again, I'll say back in my day, I'm 45 years old. I know I look 25. Thank you. I'm 45 years old. Five of y'all thought it was funny. All right, move on. Back in my day, they used to have this saying, and some of you may remember this, only God can judge me. People would say that. Only God can judge me. Meaning this, that... God only knows my heart. God only knows what's going on. So God's the only one who can judge me of that. Do you know that has flipped upside down now? Now people take God and they put him in the chair where they accuse people. And, they, and now we have a culture that says, God, you better think like this. You better think the way that I think it ought to be. And if not, I don't want to serve a God like you. The arrogance. The arrogance. When it's all said and done, you think God cares about what you thought about that? You think he was on his throne and said, oh, maybe I need to get off and give it to you, Mr. 21-year-old who's been in college for two years. <laughs> but hey, why am I saying all this? I'm saying all this. That's, that's the world we're in. That's where our kids are walking into. They're walking in, the children of Israel are walking into a pagan land. They're walking into a land. They believe everything opposite of what's trying to be taught in the home. And here they are. How do you do it? And here's the answer. Chapter 6, starting at verse 1. These are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess so that your children and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all the decrees and commands that I give you, and so that you may enjoy long life 
Hear, Israel, and be careful to obey so that it may go well with you and that you may increase greatly in the land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, your God of your ancestors promised you. Some of us were more worried about our opinion than we are about obedience to what he says. I'm not saying you shouldn't have one, but I am saying at the same time, it should be obedience first to God, what he says to all of us. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord God with all your heart, all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments that I give to you today, number one, are to be on your heart. You can say you want your kid all, you know what your kids are gonna get, our, my kids are gonna get, what's on my heart. Because there's certain things that are taught, but a lot of things are caught, and they'll catch what's in your heart. You know why our student ministry, our worship so bright? It's what's in our heart. All right, impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your house and on your gates. I wanna take the next few moments and I am about to get as practical as I ever get. I mean, this is gonna help you Matter of fact, I, I, this past week, I've talked to several people and they referred, didn't even know I was talking about this this week, referred back to when I talked about this years ago. I went to a wedding this past week and at this wedding, this lady, this grandmother came up to me and she goes, Pastor Jason. I was like, yes, we're in Montgomery, Texas. Do you know where Montgomery, Texas is? I did not. I still don't know where it is, but I went there, all right? And I'm there at this wedding, and this grandma came up to me, and she said, I was there. She lived in West Texas, came to visit family, came to our church years ago, and she said, I heard the message that I'm about to show you, the grid I'm about to show you in just a second. She goes, and everybody that I can talk to, I give it to. And that just gave me confirmation. Okay, we need to hear this again. Matter of fact, I want to take a moment. Let me stop. Go on one small little tangent here. I'm about to jump into parenting and kids and all this stuff. If you're a grandparent in here or you're a great-grandparent in here, I know if I was the devil, I'm not, but if I was, I would probably whisper to you, whisper to you man, this is a young church. I have young people all over the place. There's not a place for you here. Listen, all that's going on. You've passed all that anymore. You know, just check out. Don't even listen to what he's talking about and all this stuff. Whatever. Let me just say this. Grandma, grandpa, great grandma, great grandpa, possibly great great grandma, grandpa. We so desperately need you as a church. We don't want you, we need you. I know sometimes we don't listen, but please be patient with us. We desperately need you in here. And we have we have plenty. We have plenty. But please, I know the music is too loud for you sometimes. I know there's young people running all over the place for you, but thank you for believing so much in the next generation that you're not just worried about going to a church that you like, but you're going to a church where you can leave a legacy and we need you. We have more people who text us, do you have anybody who can mentor us? Everybody can help us during this deal? And I'm telling you, it is, it is my mom, Nana and Poppy, 
they, they're, they're here, my mother-in-law and father-in-law and my mom and dad. I can't tell you the times. I'm like, well, this and this and this and this. And Poppy just goes, well, Jason. You're going to be all right. God's with you. And I'm like, that's it? And he's right. Stay the path. God's with you. Some of y'all, that's all you need to hear today. Stay the path. God's with you. Y'all ready to learn a little something? All right, here we go. So I'm going to give you the four C's on the journey to adulthood. I'm going to give you different phases in each one of our kids' life. I did not learn, I, I did not come up with this. I learned this at a campground. JH Ranch is what it's called. And I brought two of my kids there. I, I want to take all my kids there. They separate the students and the parents for part of the day. And they would train you on, hey, this is, we're not raising kids, we're trying to raise adults. So let me show you the phases of transition and what do you do in whichever phase you are in. Like if you're in the phase right now where your kids are, what do I do during this time? This has helped me tremendously. And I refer to it constantly. Been doing it for years and I want it to help you. So four C's on the journey to adulthood. Our first your first season of life, number one, you are a caretaker from zero to five. When you're a caretaker, when they're from zero to five years old, man, it is just full-on physical. It's like, get them over there. I mean, it's one, we would have assembly lines when we would get home from something late at night. Like, everybody got to take a bath because y'all all stink. All right, y'all all line up. You know, all right, back to dry them off, go to bed. Try them off. Go to bitch. And you just said it, it was physical. They're running all over the place. It's, it's all that. Stop, 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 stop. No, 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 no. They're learning how to walk. <laughs> Look, and you're diving on the ground, stopping them. You are a caretaker. You're changing diaper. The other ones run around naked in the house, and you're like, come back here. It's just, it's, it's crazy. It's tiring. It's tiring. And during that time, you're going to be tired. So when you say, I'm tired, we know how long I'm going to be tired. About a decade, just strap it, just hang on. You're going to get through it, though. You are. Remember those days, huh, babe? And so during that time, like, what do you do? What do you do during that time? And so I got a couple of things. These are the things that you do. Role of a caretaker is someone who protects, provides, and prays. Protect, provide, and pray. Now, during this time, it can be a little overwhelming because you're tired. But I want to give you a little nugget that I want you to always remember this, that God often increases inadequacy to bring us to greater dependency on him. Let me let that sink in for a sec, and I'll repeat it. God often increases our sense of inadequacy to bring us to a greater dependency on him. When I meet somebody who already knows everything that has to do with it, I don't want to talk to them. I want somebody who's like, man, listen, listen, I just, I, I'm figuring it out, but this is what I've learned so far. So that's the caretaker. The next, the next one is from five years old to 12 years old, the next phase in journey, a journey to adulthood is the cop phase. Come on, I always get giggles when I say the cop phase. Because your vocabulary consists of, stop, no, put it down, no. You can't do that. Do it again. Do, you do it one more time. I'll kill you, kill you, send it to Jesus quick. All right, here we go. Be quiet. Stop. No, yes. Sometimes, pastor, I just feel like a referee, because you are. 
You are. You're a cop during that time. No, we don't do this. We do that. All right? Quit doing this. Start doing that. I remember during this phase, um, Ella, who's on the front row here with me, Ella had this weird thing that, like, anytime she found something around the house, she would want to test its durability on Trent's head. <laughs> she did. And so she would grab something and go up to Trent. Now, my son Trent would watch TV, and when brothers, like, zoned in, you can't get him zoned out. He just locked in. And so Ella would run, I'd go in a room sometimes, and Ella would be behind Trent, in the back of his head. And the worst part of it, Trent's just in here doing this. Just getting hit with it. And she finally couldn't take it anymore, like, get away! He would do that. And so you would see, it, it was pretty normal around the house that Ella walking around, she'd pick up something, look at it, and go. And start running, and you go, Ella, no! Because she's going to crack Trent in the head with something. But that's your cop, the cop years. And, and what do you do during the cop time? It's you teach, train, discipline, and pray. Teach, train, discipline, and pray. Now, I know that word discipline some of you do not like. You don't, but it's okay. You got to Guess what? Somebody's going to bring them under authority. And you got to choose whether it's going to be you or later on in life when it's not so good, the authorities that are reigning them under control. And so that's where I was. Now, here, now this is key. I just talked about caretaker and cop from 5 to 12. Now, here we go. This is a big one. From 12 to 18, you become a coach. You become a coach. And this is critically important because this is where the most difficult transition is. Because most of us want a cop when we should be coaching. We want when they're 16, stop it, do that, I'll kill you. <laughs> the problem is, if you keep copying them when you should be coaching them, what'll happen is they'll begin to avoid you. And now there's no line of communication. I had a pastor tell me this once. It really helped me. He said, Jason, make sure they keep talking. You need to get nervous when they quit talking to you about what's going on in their heart. And so we have to be careful that we don't start copying when we should start coaching. What's happening during coaching? Coaching is when we are coaching them along as they're beginning to start making their own decisions. If you haven't gotten to this phase yet, you will, where they have their own opinion. And we all want world changers. We want, man, they're going to be great and they're going to change the world. The problem is, if you have a world changer, the first world they try to change is your world. <laughs> and you're like, look, you can change the planet, but you ain't changing this house. You understand me? How this works. Mia, what would I say to you all the time? You're going to be the greatest adult on the planet Earth if I don't kill you before you get there. Me have been trying to run our house since she was seven. And it just doesn't quite work that way, you know? And so, but coaching, this is why it's so critically important. But it's hard, Pastor. I know. I have a 21-year-old. I have an 18-year-old. I have a 16-year-old. I have a 13-year-old. I am in full-blown coach mode right now. And it's hard because you coach them, and you have to determine what do you let them stumble and fall at. 
Why is this important? Because they're going to fall. They're going to mess up. They're going to make mistakes. They're going to embarrass you. They're going to. They're like born to do it. But this is what you want. You want for them to make mistakes when they're under your house so that you were there to coach them. You do not want to wait till they're in college and the only coach that they have is another freshman in, in college. I was just thinking I don't really know what to do. Well, I think this is a great idea. No. <laughs> Let them have some challenges. So what's some of the roles in, in, as a coach? We want to teach. Hey, look, this is what's going on. This is the way it works. I remember my first job. My dad, I got my, I got my first paycheck for my first job. I got home and I said, wait, wait, wait. I was adding up the numbers. I was like, wait, dad, I like work this many hours. I get, they told me I get paid this much an hour, but it, it's not adding up. I'm mad. And he said, well, son, that's, it's called Uncle Sam. I said, I didn't know I had that uncle. I don't want that uncle. I don't like that uncle. I still don't like that uncle. All right. Right? But he began to teach me and show me and, and, and train me. This is when we teach. This is where we model. I know I've said this every service. Every one of the, my crazy family of the series is this. Our students, people we influence, it's, they don't become who we want them to be. They become who we are. See, there was hardly, my dad, who's one of my heroes in life, is, there was, I can't, I can't remember a morning. I cannot remember a morning where I didn't get up, walk in the kitchen, and he was drinking his coffee, reading his Bible, and praying for us. I can't remember. So guess what I do? I get up in the morning, I read my Bible and pray for my family, and I'll eat, and what God's doing. I think about Poppy over here, Stephanie would tell me stories about she's sleeping in early in the morning and Poppy did the same thing. He'd be in the other room reading his Bible and he would pray. And, and Stephanie said he would be, and now my, my, my father-in-law, when he prays, brother prays. There's praying and there's Poppy praying, all right? And he cries out to Jesus' prayer. And Stephanie said she's trying to sleep and he's in the other room. Oh, Lord, help these children. Lord, help this nation. And he's crying out, and Stephanie's in another room. Dad, hush up. God can hear you. <laughs> he's still like that, huh? They lived with us for a little bit, and Poppy has his little prayer shawl on, and, my grand, and his grandkids would get up, and they'd see Poppy in there. Oh, Lord. What a great example. What a great example. Man, I hope to give a fraction of that to my kids. We'll be an example. So we teach, we're an example, and we encourage a lot. Instruct and encourage. Instruct and encourage. They're already insecure. They're already trying to figure it out. They already are not so sure. So we need to be the ones who help define reality for them and encourage them into that reality. Every girl needs to know that they're loved and they're cherished and they're not going to be alone. And there's somebody out there that's going to love you and cherish you. And until that day, dad's got it on lockdown for you. I got you. Every young man needs to know that he has what it takes on the inside to do it. There's grown men in this room listening to me right now that never heard that. And so you're still fighting for an affirmation 
that God can give you, and let me give it to you right now. You got what it takes. God gave you the equipment of everything you need to do what he put in front of you. You can do this. I know you're not sure. Get connected to some other men in small group. Get connected to other things. You can learn. You're going to get there. You've got this. You can do this. Model, encourage, and instruct. Don't try to beat them into what you want. Define reality, hold the lines, and help encourage them into that. Amen? As parents, we often, what happens is we become successful, we became successful through our adversities and through our successes. But then through our success, we often remove from our kids the very thing that made us successful, adversity. And then, then pray. And then the final one is this, number four. So we have caretaker, cop, coach, and from 18 on, we become a consultant. We become a consultant. This is a tough one, y'all. This is a tough one. As a consultant, you pray, you be available, and you encourage. See, I've moved in the consultant rate stage with two of my children now. And the thing that they didn't tell me about being a consultant is I know they have to walk through some tough stuff. I just didn't realize I would walk through it too. I knew they would, but I didn't realize it. Someone told me once before, and I've always remembered, having kids is like having a piece of your heart jump outside your chest grow up in front of you and live a life. It's true. And I can't tell you the times where it's like, as a consultant, you see them moving and you gotta determine when to like not let them go off the track, go off the rails, but then at the same time, not trying to cop them. And we gotta be careful not to start consulting too early. Well, babe, we need to be a consultant. He is seven years old. <laughs> Move in a little bit stronger right now. And we don't need to be, we don't need to cop. I'll tell you what, you better do this at such and such time. I'm telling you, and hey, I'm gonna send you this stuff. I'm gonna fill out all the paperwork for you and I'll make sure you get it in time. Make sure you mail it to such and such place, all that. Mama, he's 31. He's 31. He's 31. We laugh. A couple stopped me after the last service and they said, Pastor Jay, you were all over my toes. I said, why? They said they were in a counseling appointment with a difficult situation with their mid 30 child, and they said they learned a whole lesson on enablement. And they said, please tell everybody that when you coach and cop, when you should be consulting, you end up enabling your kid because you don't want them to fail and you lead them right to failure. I'll tell them. <laughs> and I'll listen myself because you know what to tell them if they just do what I say. We got, got to let, got to let, they become a consultant and sit there. And, and, I, and if you notice, there's one prevailing thought through all four of them on what you do, and it's pray for them. It's pray for them. God, touch our kids. God, touch our children. God, I know you love our kids more than we do, as crazy as that may sound. I'm just sensing even a moment. Can we just pray for a second? Father, I pray for all of our kids. 
the 30%, all the couple hundred kids that'll be back there this weekend, for the several hundred students that'll be here on Wednesday, Lord God, Lord, we pray for them right now. We know they're going into a land of just difficulty, of challenge. This whole redefining everything, cancel culture, this, God, they're walking into a mess, God. But Father, I pray that they would be a generation that doesn't just have a heart for Jesus, but they'd have a backbone for Jesus. That they would stand in the midst of adversity, Lord God. And they would hold on to your word, God, even when it's difficult, God. Even though, not if they get called names, they will be called names. When it, not if it's popular, it will not be popular when they stand for you, God. But Father, I thank you that you're raising up a generation, Lord Jesus. And Father, I thank you and I'm asking you that you would anoint us as parents. Anoint our grandparents, Lord God, to speak life and truth into their kids and their grandkids. Father, anoint us, Lord Jesus, that we would be a church that you can trust the next generation with, Lord God. Let's all stand. I'm going to pray, and, and we'll end it in just a second, but I just feel this moment of time of prayer. Would you just take a moment and begin to pray for your kids or maybe pray for your grandkids? If you're a student in here, pray for a second for your future kids, for your future kids. Father, we just ask right now, Lord, Lord that you would set apart a generation for you, Lord God. That, Father, that you would raise them up. Lord God, I am asking that this generation would not be an echo of the culture, but they would be a voice of truth that says, this is the way, walk ye in it. And God, we come behind them right now. We don't beat them up. We don't say what they're not. We say what they are. And Lord God, I thank you, Lord God, that they are lovers of God. They're followers of your spirit, Lord Jesus. They, Lord, they stand strong for you, Lord God, in the midst of all of it, Lord. And God, I thank you that this generation is going to turn the tide, Lord God, and usher in a fresh new awakening and revival like we've never seen before, Lord God. And Father, I thank you for them. Lord, I pray for every parent right now that's beginning to feel, they felt a little shame and a little guilt as I was talking. I'm asking that your spirit would come because Jesus, you came into this world to say shame off of you. You didn't come to say shame on you. So I pray any shame that's been lifted. Some, some might even feel like, man, I wish I would have heard this 10 years ago. I wish I would have heard this seven years ago. I wish I would have heard this. Father, it's okay because God behold, you make all things new. And God, your grace is perfected where we're weak. So God, the areas that I've messed up and the areas that I didn't, do it quite right. In the areas I just flat out, flat out fumbled the ball, God. I pray your grace would come around my kids, come around all our kids, God. Who cares if we have a great church and we lose our kids? Father, we thank you, Lord. God, let us be a place that you can trust with your kids, Lord. And we'll give them everything we got, God. They're not a side ministry. They are the ministry of God. And we thank you for them. I thank you for every grandparent who, who's believed in the next generation and spend their life leaving a legacy to the next generation, God. Thank you for them. And God, we will be careful to give you all the praise and all the glory and all the honor for what you do in the next generation, God. Father, I pray your favor would surround your people like a shield. God, I pray that we would extend your kingdom in all we do. God, I pray that your face would, would turn towards us and give us peace and show us our path, Lord God. So I love your people today. 
God, I thank you for them, and I bless them now. In Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said amen and amen. Come on, can we give the Lord a hand? That's awesome.